Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. This this week we have as our guests the treasurer of North Carolina, the state treasurer, and actually the 28th treasurer. He was elected to office in November the 8th, 2016. And that would be, of course, Dale Falwell, who's been on our program a number of times. Dale, there's so many things to talk about today, but I think uh, one of the things that so many of our listeners are interested in is the state health plan, which the treasurer of North Carolina oversees. So bring us up to date on where that stands and and, uh, the impact for the year 2024 for those who are under that plan. Don, thank you for having me. And uh, I just want to uh, thank all those who are listening, who teach, protect, and serve, who are associated with the treasurer's office through the pension or the health plan. I want to thank them for their service. I want to start out, Don, if you don't mind, just dedicating uh, my remarks today to Dr. Linda Combs, uh, who uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago. And for uh, your listeners, uh, may not have heard of Dr. Linda Combs. Uh, We have had 75 governors, 28 treasurers, but only eight controllers. Uh, She's the first controller uh, in the history of North Carolina uh, as as a female. Uh, She was the chief fiscal officer of the state of North Carolina. She worked through three presidential administrations. And as far as I know, uh, the only person to ever go through confirmation processes in the U.S. Congress or the North Carolina legislature with no dissenting votes. And I say that because every time we talk about these topics, Don, like the state health plan, it's important for your listeners to understand it's not me who's doing this work. I'm standing on the shoulders of people like Dr. Linda Combs and a lot of other good state employees. So thank you for letting me say that. Well, thank you for bringing that up. That's uh, great to, to honor her in that respect. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the state health plan, I want to talk about this in the context of, of, uh, uh, where the state health plan is, uh, financially in terms of its ongoing expenses and, uh, how much debt it has on it. Uh, and those are two things that your listeners are, are familiar with, like what it costs for them to live week to week and then how much debt they have in their life. As far as the debt is concerned, uh, we just did our report for the state health plan that shows uh, nearly a $29 billion, that's B billion dollar unfunded liability in the state health plan. Uh, that's almost equivalent to one year's budget. My wife, Cynthia, always says to try to put things in context. So when you talk about $29 billion of unfunded liabilities, uh, that's nearly equal to one year's budget. And Cynthia always uh, tells me to try to tell people how we got there. How did a state that's number one in business outlook and business activity has one of the best funded uh, pension plans in the United States, has the most efficient pension plan in North America, uh, has a AAA bond rating, um, paying down state debt? How can we have a $29 billion unfunded liability? And the answer is not political or emotional, it's mathematical. Uh, For nearly a half a decade, uh, half a century, excuse me, nearly 50 years, uh, we have been making promises for our retirees to be eligible for lifetime health care. But unlike the pension plan where money goes in every 30 days, there's been no money put aside for this purpose. And this is not just a thing, Don, uh, for the state of North Carolina. 
the county of Wake has hundreds of millions of dollars of these liabilities. The city of Raleigh has hundreds of millions of dollars of these liabilities. Uh, but I'm and every city and county across North Carolina generally has these big liabilities associated with health care. So that's what our so quote debt looks like. Uh, as far as the ongoing expenses, we're under siege uh, in the state health plan, both from a health care standpoint and a pharmaceutical standpoint in terms of rising costs. And these costs are rising at a much faster rate than the General Assembly's appropriation uh, toward these costs. Uh, and as I've said on your show before, we continue to face a healthcare cartel. Uh, and Webster's defines a cartel as an association which is formed to restrict competition and or raise prices. So uh, we're under siege. And then the latest announcement uh, came out a couple of weeks ago at our state health plan board meeting, uh, where we reported that uh, it's estimated that we're going to spend $150 million next year on this one weight loss drug that I'm holding up on this Zoom right now. Uh, it's manufactured by Nova Nordis. Uh, we are not questioning the effect efficacy of this drug. Uh, we're questioning the price. And uh, there's a high potential this drug is, is or going to be manufactured in North Carolina. And all I'm asking for in this particular context of this weight loss drug is for us to pay what the people in Denmark pay, which is their home country. Uh, and uh, this has the potential of bankrupting not just our state health plan, but health plans across the United States. And your listeners will be really interested in knowing that CMS Medicare does not cover this and Medicaid does not cover this. And uh, when you think about $170 million, Don, uh, we just paid out a 4% bonus to the retirees uh, through this, the state uh, retirement system. Uh, this was not money that came from the pension system. It was money that was appropriated from the General Assembly budget. A 4% bonus for all the retirees in the state system is equivalent to what we're going to pay for this drug next year, which is only used by over a little over 3% of our population. So that's hard to understand. Of course, it's even harder to understand why the same company can sell it in one country for one price and another price here in the United States. Well, and as I say, they're, you know, when they were at the state health plan board meeting and, um, you know, uh, nobody from Nova Nordis spoke up, uh, they'd sent this really nasty letter about how irresponsible I was. Uh, you know, I wasn't irresponsible a year and a half ago as the chair of the local government commission when I approved a $200 million wastewater treatment plant for Clayton so Nova Nordisk could expand their plant to manufacture things like this. So I wasn't so irresponsible when I appropriated the money to build the uh, the water treatment plant uh, for their manufacturing facility. And as I said earlier, uh, this is not just happening with this drug, it was happening with a lot of the specialty drugs uh, where we have just a small percentage of the people using it and uh, the, the cost is, is astronomical. And these are my words, Don, not yours, but we're getting gouged. You know, when CMS doesn't cover it, Medicare doesn't cover it, Medicaid doesn't cover it, people in Denmark are paying two or $300 for this product, and the retail price in the United States could be upwards of $2,000. We're simply getting gouged, and 
as the keeper of the public purse, I need to stand and, and make sure that doesn't happen. Now, one of the things I think we need to point out for people who are not covered by the state health plan, uh, you're talking about 950 teachers, firefighters, and public employees who are. So that's almost one out of 10 in, uh, citizens of the state that are affected with this. So what about uh, the actual out-of-pocket costs? What, uh, what about premium rate increases for these employees for 2024? Great question. We're trying to prevent this from happening because we've done such a great job, the staff at the State Health Plan and the Board of Trustees. You know, we have, we have frozen pr family premiums for six years. We have frozen the individual premium for six years. We've eliminated the premium for the Medicare Advantage at no cost to the taxpayers uh, for six years. But this, this one drug uh, could potentially mean the tripling of the $25 base premium uh, for those that are on the state health plan with the base at, at the base level, uh, $25 to $75. Even if they don't consume this drug, uh, there's the potential of the tripling of the premium. And in this period of time when uh, things are, you get less for what you buy at the grocery store. Uh, the price of gasoline and, and diesel fuel is going through the roof. Uh, mortgages are unobtainable because of high interest rates. The last thing we need to do on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve is actually drive up their health care costs because we've worked so hard not only to freeze these premiums, but not mess around with deductibles inside the plan and some other creative things, which four years ago, before anyone was talking about this, Don, even though you and I talked about newsmakers, eliminated the cost of insulin. Uh, the price of insulin had been up uh, threefold in seven years. And uh, when you have something go up that much in cost, you end up with what we call insulin in adherence. It's a tough word for a stutterer to say, but when people become uh, in adherent uh, to their insulin protocols, it puts them in a medical vortex uh, that becomes very deadly and costly to us. So uh, so what do you anticipate happening? Is there discussions with them about uh, putting a cap on the cost uh, or is there legislation pending or could it be pending? Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think that uh, as uh, as as uh, DHHS is rolling out the Medicaid expansion in North Carolina, they better measure 10 times and cut once when it comes to covering these potential drugs. Uh, uh, I'm just very concerned about the fact that uh, of what this could do to, to Medicaid in North Carolina. If we're, if we're going to spend $150 million extra on this one drug, uh, it could be over a billion dollars uh, to the Medicaid system of North Carolina for this one drug. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. I did uh, learn yesterday that the uh, general manager of Nova Nordisk of, of, the, of the plants in, in North Carolina uh, has left the company as of two days ago. Um, I don't know uh, the reasons for those that departure, but I look forward to partnering with Nova Nordisk and, uh, you know, let's come together like, we came together to help them issue the tax-free bonds to the city of Clayton to build their wastewater treatment plant to manufacture these products. Let's come together, figure out what's right, get it right, and keep it right. And you know, them coming to the table and offering uh, our public servants who teach, protect, and otherwise serve, offering them the same price as their citizens in Denmark pay, uh, that would be awesome. I need to put this very quickly in some context.
it's reported that 2.6% of the profits of this whole drug in the United States is coming from our state health plan. Uh, it's also reported that the stock market value of this company called Nova Nordisk is now higher than the gross domestic product of the country of Denmark that they reside in. So one company's stock market value because of this one drug is now larger than all the goods and services that are produced in their home country. That's how unbelievably profitable this is to Nova Nordisk because they're the only FDA approved drug for this particular circumstance. You've got about 30 seconds to add in what is the impact of the Medicaid expansion to the plan? Well, the impact is if, if, if Medicaid North Carolina decides to cover this drug, which they currently do not cover, uh, the cost to our Medicaid system in North Carolina could be over a billion dollars based on the number of people in the Medicaid system versus the state health plan. Uh, and generally speaking, the Medicaid expansion plan or the overall cost, uh, if you exclude that uh, that one drug. Yes. Okay. All right. Our guest is Dale Falwell, who's the uh, 28th treasurer of the state of North Carolina. We'll come back and we want to talk a little bit more about the economy and the outlook that uh, you see as far as inflation. Uh, the discussion about recession seems to be dead and buried, but we'll talk about that and other things. We'll return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers and our guest, Dale Falwell. What is dedication? The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Darion. We call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Watch out! They got me! The galaxy is safe once again. In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, the State Treasurer of North Carolina, Dale Falwell. And uh, we talked in the first segment about the state health plan and the uh, concern that he has about this one particular drug that uh, is threatening the uh, uh, cost of that plan in a, in a very significant way. Uh, and if you miss that segment, you might want to go back and listen to it because there's some 750,000 uh, state employees who are affected by this cost. And of course, the other citizens are equally uh, are going to be facing the same thing with their insurance coverage, whatever it is. So it's, it's a 
matter of concern and uh, urge you to listen to it. Okay, let's let's look at the overall economic outlook and how your office sees. We have had a period of inflation, which seems, according to news, to be coming uh, somewhat abated. But uh, we also started the year off with a dire forecast of recession, and there's absolutely no mention of that anymore. So just give us sort of an overall view of how the state treasurer's office is viewing the economy and the economic outlook and uh, just how much uh, effect it's going to have on your plans for the year 2024. Uh, I'll be glad to do that. And I'll, I'll bring to your viewers something that uh, Warren Buffett uh, said about 35 years ago. And now, you know, it's hard to be as smart as your dumbest competitor. And when I say that respectfully, I'm talking about our federal government. Uh, all of your listeners have heard of something called the State of the Union. It's going forward, it's going to have to be the states of the union uh, because our federal government was just downgraded this year. The North Carolina bond rating is higher than the federal government, Don, the first time in your in our lifetimes that it's ever occurred, which is actually sad. And my reason for saying that when I say it's hard to be as smart as your dumbest competitor, when the federal government continues uh, to be incompetent in terms of balancing its budget, passing a budget, living within its means, and uh, paying off some of the national debt, it's just increase, increasing inflationary pressures on all of our citizens. And some people say this is transitory. And I get very passionate about this. There's nothing transitory to a low income or fixed income individual because they have nothing that can go up in value when inflation hits. They're, it's just costing them more to live. Uh, average uh, family in North Carolina has cost them $6,000 more to live this year than it did last year. And if you make $40,000 a year, you know, $6,000 is a lot. So um, I'm still deeply concerned uh, that the federal government has lost control. Uh, they continue to have an addiction and an appetite for money. And uh, as you can see just recently with nearly three weeks of not even having a speaker of the house when many parts of our world are at war, uh, that just goes to show you, uh, you know, what the rating agency said about their just inability to govern. So what do we do? And this, and this seems to be a bipartisan problem. It's not, you know, it seems to be that both parties are joining in that same uh, guilt complex of spending money. Uh, there's, considerable question about how to spend it, but both parties seem to be held in on spending money. And uh, as I said, there is some discussion about how it's spent, but uh, I don't hear much discussion about how to cut. Well, I, I agree, Don, and it's funny, and it's hard to communicate this uh, to your listeners, but no political party, no matter what you call yourself or how you label yourself, uh, should be blaming anyone else because this is the responsibility of, of both political parties. And, you know, at the treasurer's office, with everything that uh, that's dividing our society these days, which is uh, political parties and genders and races, uh, none of that exists at the treasurer's office. We focus on the color green, G-R-E-E-N. And I would really like, as the keeper of the public purse, to be my last term as the state treasurer, I'd really like for them to focus on the G-R-E-E-N in, in Washington, D.C. And you know as well as I do, we've been through different economic cycles uh, during our lifetime, as well as your listeners. 
the first thing you got to do is stop digging. <clears throat> you can't climb out of a hole as long as you're digging it even deeper. And um, so I hope that the people in the federal government will figure out what's right, get it right, and keep it right. That will give the Federal Reserve some uh, some headroom in terms of not raising interest rates anymore because we could very easily find ourselves in an environment, Don, that you're also familiar with, uh, that we both experienced back in the mid-70s called stagflation. Stagflation, Jason, is when the price of things go up, but economic activity is down. Uh, it is the worst of all worlds. And uh, I hope that the federal government uh, is doing everything they can to prevent that from happening. But as I started this segment by talking about, uh, it's no longer going to be the State of the Union. It's going to be the states like North Carolina of the Union who are going to have to figure out how to protect our citizens and our economy from Washington, D.C.'s addiction for money. You were using uh, an interesting example a few moments ago about a hole, and uh, that brought to mind the old statement I've heard is how big is a hole, and then uh, so how big is a half a hole? Well, a hole is a hole. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference if it's a, a full hole or, or a half a hole, it's still a hole. Well, that's exactly right. And as we say around here, and I'm sure they say this at Curtis Media, uh, you can't manage what you can't measure. <laughs> and, you know, when 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 people in Washington, D.C.'s eyes get glazed over and, you know, it's another tree in here, another tree in there, uh, I should tell your viewers that this is now becoming a national security risk. And I don't say that politically or emotionally. I say it mathematically. This year, the United States of America is going to spend more money on servicing the debt than the military budget. More money on servicing the national debt than on the military budget. That is a national security crisis. Well, it's, uh, and of course, all these uh, candidates uh, for Congress, again, both parties, they're concerned about getting reelected and the electorate keeps saying, you know, we need this, we need that. And so they give in in order to get themselves reelected. But uh, somebody's got to have the courage and conviction to say, wait a minute, guys, we just can't afford that anymore. I'm sorry. And uh, that's not a popular position if you're a candidate, uh, but it is a uh, uh, long range. It's something that uh, is going to have to be said and have to be done by those who want to be heroic. Well, and I, I would just add to that, that, you know, as I'm uh, being the keeper of the public purse and talking to so many groups across the state uh, in my official capacity as the state treasurer, uh, people are exhausted. Uh, and Don and Jason and, and others, uh, the world is coming at us so fast in so many ways that we never expected. Uh, and people are just exhausted. They're just kind of like throwing up their hands and saying, what can I do? And, you know, the question is, is that, I mean, the answer is this. The Bible teaches us that when we're faced with uncertainty, uncertainty and anxiety like we are in this country right now, our only option is to give more, get more focused work harder, uh, figure out what's right, get it right, and keep it right. That's our only option is to give more. I'm going to change the subject and talk about the Highway Trust Fund because uh, that was a, a matter that we talked about extensively in the last uh, several, uh, not in the last several years on this program. So uh, 
uh, as I understand, I think that uh, pro that problem is uh, uh, somewhat better and uh, more under control. Bring us up to date on that. Well, I'd be glad to. Uh, three and a half years ago, I was actually on Newsmakers with you, and I was sounding the alarm on the uh, the fact that the North Carolina Department of Transportation was literally writing checks it couldn't cash. Now, I used this meta this example uh, once with some high school students who didn't know what a check was uh, because it's not something that's in the vernacular of uh, of young people these days. Uh, but writing a check you can't cash means that you have given somebody a piece of paper that says they can take that to the bank, but there's not enough money in the bank to, to make it clear. Um, and uh, I sound the alarm. And as you remember, uh, Don, I took a lot of heat for that. Uh, the governor didn't um, uh, agree with it. The DOT didn't agree with it. Even the Republicans in the General Assembly did not agree with what I said. Uh, but ultimately, uh, a few months later, after the state auditor did her work, uh, realized that this, the NCDOT had overspent their budget by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And to your point of your question, they had eviscerated the Highway Trust Fund taking over a billion dollars out of the highway trust fund without the approval of the state treasurer. So uh, let's give credit to uh, actually Eric Boyette, uh, Secretary Boyette, who just retired, who partnered with me to get the highway trust fund repaid and get it out of the ditch. And some credit goes to the governor because um, I didn't say the things I was saying about the DOT, if you remember back in that day. I didn't say them emotionally or politically. I said them mathematically. Uh, the people who do, who use the roads, who pay the gasoline taxes, who do the construction and repair of our roads and bridges, they deserve to have a, a NCDOT that is solvent and sustainable. And on top of that, uh, the governor uh, eventually got rid of the chief financial officer, the chief operating officer, and the previous chief, the super secretary of of, of, of um of the DOT. So credit goes to Secretary Boyette, who's just recently retired, and uh, just a, another good example that it doesn't matter what political party you're a member of, uh, when people can come together and, and partner and work to get the, to the right outcome, things like the Highway Trust Fund can be repaid in half the scheduled time. Uh, we put them on a payment plan of five years, and I think Secretary Boyette paid it, and his team paid it off in two and a half years. So it's in great shape, but we still have uh, massive problems happening at the DOT um, simply because of what we talked about in the earlier segment about inflation, uh, the cost of rebar, the cost of concrete, the cost of asphalt, the cost of labor, the labor shortage, things that you and your advertisers and Curtis Media itself is experiencing. Uh, people continue to ask, where do all the workers go? Uh, there's lots of answers to that. Maybe we can cover it in the next segment, but... Uh, uh, these are serious concerns that are going to have to all be addressed uh, going forward. Well, inflation, of course, uh, uh, means higher wages. And that uh, also, uh, the good news, I guess, about that is as wages go up, so does the income to the state. So it's sort of a balancing act, but it's not necessarily the kind of balancing act that you want to have. Well, it's not the kind of balancing act. And, uh, you know, I wear 15 different hats, and one is the Chair of the Local Government Commission. And not only do we have still have a supply shortage problem, but, uh, you know, we have 
water treatment plants who are going to buy a gauge for a you know just to simply meter how much uh, wastewater is coming through a pipe. You know, can't get the gauge, and when you can't actually get the meter, meter, excuse me, is a better word. You know, the price is twice as much as we expected. Uh, we're we just approved a sixty million dollar, I believe, sixty million dollar elementary school in Curry Tuck County. And you know, Don, that's what you used to be able to build high schools for in Wake County. Uh, so this inflation is uh, is not transitory; it's uh, affecting everybody. Our guest is Dale Falwell, uh, and uh, in the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers, we're going to turn to uh, one of the things that uh, Dale is very concerned about, and that's fighting fraud, uh, both in the pension system and also in disability overpayments. Uh, Dale has made it clear that they love to pay out everything that's due, but when they overpay, uh, it uh, affects every honest taxpayer, and they have to pay the tax. So we'll talk a little bit about that. When we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. They are our cuddlers and co-workers, purr machines and love bugs, and constant companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life so much better. When we face unexpected challenges in life, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people who love their pets and the pets who love their people, ensuring these families stay exactly where they belong, together. And you have something to offer. With an open heart and mind, there is nothing you can't do. There's no gesture too small or too big when it comes to helping. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. You can help keep pets and people together. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with Dale Falwell, our state treasurer. He was elected to that office in 2016. He has announced that this is his last term. Uh, pre- previous to that, uh, Dale was a four-term member of the North Carolina House of Representatives, including two years as Speaker Pro Tem, and that uh, gave him a great uh, leg up on how to deal with the General Assembly uh, when he became treasurer. Uh, Dale, one of the things that you've talked about on this program many times is uh, your, one of your many responsibilities of your department is fighting fraud, and we have that going on of course everyone has that going on we retailers have shoplifting and shrinkage and there's just all sorts of different ways that people conspire to make money illegally but one of the systems that uh, you worry about of course is the pension system and when someone gets a pension payment that they're not due it takes away from those who are due the same thing is true with disability overpayment so let's talk about what you're doing in that regard to bring that under control well, thank you. And, uh, you know, I, uh, a lot of what I'm getting ready to say uh, goes back to my uh, position as the Assistant Secretary of Commerce, where 
I inherited uh, one of the most broken, broken unemployment systems in the United States. And I hope this doesn't air on Sunday morning and I probably shouldn't use this word, but, you know, we kind of sucked at, at getting money to people. We paid people money that didn't deserve it and we didn't pay people money that did deserve it. And, uh, you know, if you think about the unemployment system and being in the check delivery business, you can extend what I just said to the, the pension system, which is, you know, billions, many times, many billions of dollars larger. Uh, we have responsibility as, as it being the check delivery business to make sure that we get checks to people who, who do deserve it, especially in this period of time where we have the majority of people who are connected with these pension plans, not just state employees, National Guard, firefighters, uh, the legislators, uh, legislators, uh, judges, register of deeds, uh, local employees that work for local government, uh, all these people behind their faith and their family and their their personal health. Uh, the two most the most important thing is their safety and security, this pension plan. And we need to make sure whether it's in Wall Street fees and people overcharging us or ESG policies where people are trying to politicize our money, which is another form of, of taking money out of the system. Uh, as the keeper of the public purse, we need to make sure if anybody has their hand on the, the pension till, uh, that it's because it's supposed to be there. And we also find this in the disability system uh, also. And as a legislator, I found this in the workers' comp system. Uh, people are, I've found in this, uh, in my time, are are interested in just solving problems, attacking problems and not attacking people. I think people are very interested in doing the just thing on the front end. So there's not as much need for charity on the back end. Um, and I think that people get really chapped. That's a nice word for a Sunday morning. Uh, really chapped, uh, especially when they hear of public servants who are embezzling or creating or, or committing some other crime while they're public service duty and earning pension credit while they're doing it. And that's why we have a pension forfeiture policy. Uh, that allows us to go in and take away somebody's pension um, for the time that they were convicted of uh, in the pension system. And to tell you to put a sort of a bow on what I said earlier in that the things that are dividing our society right now, which is political party, gender, and, and race, the first two people that I had to apply our pension uh, forfeiture law to one is somebody I served with, a fellow Republican in the North Carolina Senate. Uh, the second person is the uh, convicted embezzling registered deeds of Wake County, another Republican. So we don't pick and choose which laws to apply or who to apply them to. So this is serious business when it comes to fraud. Uh, and we also have tremendous fraud going on in our health care system. Uh, we have unbelievable fraud that has gone on in our HOPE program. Uh, where people were getting money for mortgages uh, who didn't even have a mortgage uh, or weren't even a landlord. Uh, tremendous amounts of fraud uh, going on uh, across all those systems. And it's just important for your listeners to realize that we know how to spell the word and we have a, we have a good nose for when, when we detect something. And, and I, I will say this, and I really hope it comes across. Uh, Don, you can't imagine you can't imagine the work that the fraud that bank tellers prevent every day that they never get credit for uh, because they're used to these customers. Uh, they've helped us solve some crimes before. Uh, they've given us a call uh, when something just doesn't look right or smell right. 
So this fraud is not just in the healthcare system. It's not in the PPP loans that people got that they shouldn't have got gotten. It's not in just there, but it's in banking and it's across our spectrum. And um, it's, it's just one of those ways that the world is coming at your listeners so quickly in so many ways that it's hard for them to even comprehend. And that's what exhausts them. Exhaust them. That's a, an example of how someone would uh, work the disability overpayment uh, scam. An example of that is to get somebody to sign off on the fact that they're disabled or they go on disability and, um, you know, because they can't do their job, but they're out actually uh, mowing grass or climbing ladders. Um, and it's, it's all those kinds of things. And, you know, we have a medical review board. Uh, but the fact is, is that, as you know, anytime you follow the money, you're probably going to get these this type of reaction. And I can say this, uh, not only as the former Assistant Secretary of Commerce, uh, where we had to not only pay off $2.7 billion of unemployment debt and build a billion dollar surplus in record time, uh, but that system was also broken in terms of people getting unemployment checks that didn't deserve them, and the people that did deserve them didn't get it. On these PPP loans, as you might remember, the money ran out. And so there are people who did not get the PPP loans that actually deserved them when there were people uh, who got them that, in my opinion, didn't deserve them, whose revenues did not go down and and whose, whose business activity did not decrease. So it, it's, it's across the spectrum, uh, but our job is to ask the tough questions. It makes a lot of powerful people mad when I ask tough questions, but as the keeper of the public purse, uh, that's my job. And I'm standing on the shoulders of a lot of great treasurers who also have asked the tough questions over the years. Well, you know, I think one of the things that uh, uh, the honest citizen sometimes does is they look at uh, someone who they might think is abusing the system, but they think, okay, well, they're cheating the government. Well, actually, they're, they're cheating the honest taxpayer because yeah. the bills are going to have to be paid. And so if someone gets payments that they're not due, that's coming from money from people who are paying taxes and doing what is right and being honest. And that's the vast majority of the people. I might, might want to mention yeah. that. But, and, and, uh, and, so and, you're, and, and, and Don, people, people, yep. feel, people feel violated. Uh, when, you know, when I'm at, at, at a yoga class and, and somebody pulls into a handicapped parking place and gets out of the car and goes in there and, and does headstands. I mean, it, there's something not right about that. And, uh, or uh, in, you know, in the situation I was talking about earlier where people just get, you know, checks that they don't deserve or somebody breaks in your car uh, for no reason. Uh, and these are all uh, examples of how people feel violated and how exhausted they are at things coming, the world coming at them so quickly, they can't quite comprehend it. And uh, that's why we've built a culture of conservatism and common sense and courtesy at the treasurer's office, not only uh, doing everything we could to stay open during the shutdowns of COVID so that we remain in the check delivery business, uh, but also creating a culture where when we have any of our state employees that sense or discovers anything like this, uh, they know that they have an open door to me to, to do what we need to do to get to the bottom of it. Well, here's something we talk about very often in this program, and it's well worth repeating time and time again, and that's uh, where you are holding money that belongs to someone else, 
because uh, whoever owed the money couldn't find them or whatever, so they are, by law, required to turn it into the state treasurer. It's unclaimed cash, and you have uh, been very successful in getting people to uh, go online and and uh, and find out if you indeed are holding some money, and then uh, make sure that they get it. So let's talk a little bit about that again, and also give us instructions on exactly how people can check to see if indeed you're holding some money that that you'd love to return to them. Well, just another valuable reason to listen to newsmakers is not only to get actually informed about these all these important topics of inflation and and interest rates and fraud and pension and prescription drug prices, but uh, also it can be very valuable to your listeners to to take your advice that you just gave and go to nccash.com uh, very quickly. They should look up their name, maiden kids, parents, Little League baseball team, Girl Scouts, Rotary Club, Kiwanis Club. Uh, we I've signed one check this year for $1.7 million to a business. Really? Yes. $1.7 million to one person? Million. Wow. Million. Were they happy? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, and actually, <laughs> I, I signed I signed two $1.7 million checks this year, too. Uh, one was to a couple and the other one was to a business. And uh, and they were happy. And, uh, you know, the the official word for this, for the lawyers that are listening, is the Escheats Fund. But since I used to stutter, I'm advised not to use that word too often in a sentence. Uh, but it's called the Unclaimed Property. And there's four very, very important things that people need to know. One is the money stays there forever. Number two, uh, there's no charge to make a claim. Number three, uh, there's no charge to look up your name or any of these other names. And I said this to a 16-year-old the other day, and uh, he was on his uh, his cell phone uh, during my speech. And I said, won't you look up your, your teacher's name and your principal's name? And uh, the teacher had money sitting at nccash.com. Uh, and um, and then lastly, because I know we have some newsmaker uh, listeners who have lived in other states, a lady stopped me in Brevard the other day. Uh, she didn't find anything at nccash.com, but she took this advice uh, after listening to one of your stations out west, and she found $8,000 in Michigan. So uh, it's just a fun thing to do. And uh, uh, you can just look up anybody that you want. It's all public record. and uh, I was uh, speaking to the Farm Bureau a couple of three nights ago in Goldsboro. And while I was speaking to the Farm Bureau, uh, a person said that they had found, they looked the, uh, three years ago and had not found any money. And then uh, while I was sitting with them as we got through with my speech, they had four entries at nccash.com. So just in the last four years, we've taken in almost another billion. That's a billion with a B dollars in nccash.com. So if you've looked once, you should. Well, if you looked once, you should go back and look again. Every time I've gone on, uh, either through the company or my my personal, I found uh, some amounts. But I've also been able to uh, uh, to uh, uh, and that's my cell phone. I didn't put it on hold. Uh, uh, but I've also found money for almost all of my relatives at one time or another, almost every one of them. So it is something that is well worth time. And also you can look up your employees and, uh, they're delighted because, uh, any money that they get, of course, this is tax-free money on top of everything else. Yeah. And I spoke, whether it's the clerks of court association, the sheriff's association, or 
Registered Deed Association that's or any business I've talked to, it's a it's a fun staff meeting. Um, or the CSRs who work for Farm Bureau, the agents for Farm Bureau, you know, you know, in sales, nothing. People don't care what you know till they know that you care. And there's yeah, no give us that uh, give us that website address again one more time. NCCash.com, and uh, they can just look up the name of any particular prospect and see if they've got money sitting there. That sounds great. Dale Falwell, the North Carolina State Treasurer, is our guest. We have one final segment, and we're going to talk about his uh, uh, responsibility as far as earning money with the money that is in the pension plan that uh, that is so so important to uh, the state of North Carolina and also our bond uh, revenues and so forth. And we'll do that when we return with the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. At four in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full-time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey, and we can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> and now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart. Heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying, when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride. Love that guy. Me too. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. <laughs> Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. And welcome back to the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers for this week. Our guest is Dale Falwell, the state treasurer of North Carolina. And uh, we've talked about all sorts of things that involve spending money throughout the program and the economy and uh, also uh, unclaimed cash and some other things. But now let's talk about the uh, other and perhaps one of the most important things that the state treasurer does, and that is invest the money that is in the pension plan, which uh, is a, a huge responsibility. Well, it's interesting that uh, when you have a change in the economy and interest rates go up, what was a great investment uh, two years ago is, is not something that you're looking for today. How have you managed this transition where interest rates are going up, which means bonds pay more? Well, that's exactly right. And uh, uh, like everything I've said in the previous segments, and I hope your listeners will go back and uh, listen to some of those online. There's a lot of important information. And, you know, I always talk about watching the pennies and the paper clips. I did pay the power bill. So let me snap my fingers. So the lights come back on in here. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, I'm standing on the shoulders of uh, the hardworking people of the investment management division. Uh and uh, who have put us in a position to have the most efficient pension plan in North America for the second year in a row. And we also have one of the most conservatively managed pension plans. And 
Don, and your listeners just remember just a few short years ago, you know, they were earning a half percent on certificates of deposits. And now some of those CDs are yielding five and six percent. And that is those higher interest rates are terrible for people who want to invest in their mines or their homes or their businesses. Uh, that's terrible for the economy. But higher interest rates does provide a little bit of a tailwind uh, to our pension portfolio, especially when stocks have been underperforming again this year. Uh, so we are very conservatively managed. We have billions of dollars in real estate uh, that we're keeping a close eye on. Most of that is real estate I inherited uh, from the previous treasurer because a lot of these investments are 10 to 15 years in nature, as you know. Uh, on top of that, we have alternative investments and private equity. And we have an internally managed index fund. This is something that I just applaud the people in the investment management division. When I came on board in January of 2017, they had been working on this for a number of months, if not years. And, you know, they stood this internal index fund up uh, very quickly by, how, by October of that year. And so I'm very proud of them because we're managing, you know, $15 billion in that uh, pension, in that internal index fund for a little over a million and a half dollars of total expenses. And so uh, the pension plan, uh, we'd like to see more performance out of it, but given where what's have happened to stock values this year and what's happened to bond values, uh, we're, we're, I'm very, I feel very comfortable that we remain. And other people who look at our pension plan have uh, acknowledged uh, that as far as the return that we're getting out of our pension plan versus the risk that we're taking, uh, that you know, a round of applause is due to all the hardworking people in our investment management division. And I wanted to say uh, on longevity standpoint, from a longevity standpoint, Don, uh, one of our co-chief investment officers, hard for you to believe this, he worked for Harlan Bowles, Treasure Moore, Treasure Cowell, and myself. I mean, that's the type of longevity that you need in a pension plan this large. I used to say, if people want to know why I act the way I do, my wife, Cynthia, has since corrected me because she said, I've known you since 1986 and you acted that way then. Uh, but so let me rephrase that, Jason. If you want to know why I talk the way I do and say the things I say, is that this pension plan is very important. And the pension plan itself, to put this in context, is four times larger than the state budget. Just the pension plan. It's the 27th largest pool of public money in the world, and it only represents half of what we do at the Treasury's office. And uh, what's about $120 billion? Is that the amount that's in the pension plan now? It's, 111, it? it's $111 billion as of this morning. And, of course, this is the money that uh, is invested to uh, ensure the pensions of some 950,000 teachers and firefighters and public employees. And so it is important to a lot of people in the state of North Carolina. So um, let's let's get back now and talk a little bit about the state bond rating. I think you said earlier, if I'm not mistaken, you said earlier that this is the first time that you can remember that uh, our bond rating is actually higher than the federal government's bond rating. Well, that's exactly right. And, and you know, good for us, but sad for our country. Uh, uh, you know, we've had we have we're one of 13 states who's been able to maintain the triple, triple, triple A bond rating. Um, and your listeners may say, why should why should they care about that? Well, 
I hope they don't wake up in the morning thinking about bond ratings. If they do, they should get a life. But they probably do think about the sanitation grade of the restaurants they're going into in the next few minutes. Uh, they think about their personal credit score. A bond rating to them, a credit score, I mean, I mean, a credit score to them and a sanitation grade to them is equivalent to a bond rating uh, to us. It's a sign of quality. <laughs> so being in a state that has a AAA bond rating is very good for our municipalities. It doesn't mean that the state, the city government or the county government gets a, a AAA bond rating just because we have one. But it's nice to be in a state that is actually balancing its budget, living within its means. And part of our bond rating is based on the fact that uh, we're in the process of doing something that's uh, is unheard of, and that is that uh, that we are in the process uh, of paying off 60, not six, but six zero, 60 percent of the state general obligation debt. Why do I say general obligation debt? Because your listeners, these are this is debt that they have approved through ballot initiatives. Uh, so state op, uh, operation. State general obligation debt, we're in the process of retiring 60% of that. And I get a lot of calls from state treasurers and say, you know, uh, Dale, what are you doing in this high interest rate environment? We're having to borrow money and pay these higher interest rates on our debt. And we're actually investing money in these high interest rates and paying off our debt. And uh, this is a one reason I believe that North Carolina just got designated back to back, number one for business outlook and business activity. And Don, you've been such a great corporate partner in our uh, state for so many years. But just imagine not being here. Just imagine being Cedar Fair or or uh, Six Flags, for example, who just announced a merger and they're coming to Charlotte, North Carolina. And just imagine somebody like a CPA like myself coming to you as the CEO when you're trying to decide which state to take your business to. And you say, well, North Carolina's debt is going down 60 percent. And you say back to me, well, what other states doing that? And my answer is none. Even uh, uh, Governor DeSantis brags about a 25% reduction in his state debt. Ours is 60. Uh, number two, uh, uh, I come to you and say, and, and then you asked me about corporate income taxes. Uh, the corporate income tax in North Carolina is being eliminated. I believe we're the first state who has had a corporate income tax to actually eliminate it. Uh, and these are just examples of figuring out what's right, getting it right, and keeping it right, and and watching the pennies in the paper clips. And I was so honored recently. Uh, I wasn't expecting this, but it came out in Governing Magazine uh, earlier this week. Uh, there was an article in the headline said, uh, "When it when it Washington D.C. needs to look to these three Americans uh, to figure out how to do things." And I was honored. I'd never interviewed with these folks before, and I was honored to be one of those three. Uh, the other two were the governors of South Dakota and, and Tennessee. And my point is, is that all these things that I talk about, most of the things I'm sharing with all of your listeners is optimistic, but it's really important for them to understand that I'm standing on the shoulders of so many public service employees and that God gave me the ability to see what needs to be seen has given us the ability to be humble for what needs to be heard and the courage to act on what needs to be done, whether it's pension fraud, disability fraud, healthcare fraud, or watching the pennies in the paper clips. It's just a culture and a mindset. Well, getting back to the uh, state bond rating, what that essentially means to everyone is that when we do borrow money, 
uh, we're paying less interest than a state with uh, a, a poor bond rating. And that, uh, over the life of the, of the loan, saves millions of dollars. And that's why it's so important. And our bond rating has always been, uh, and North Carolina has always been good, but now actually better than the federal government, which speaks so well for the folks at the General Assembly and the governor's office and your office and all of our uh, employees and uh, associates in, in state government, because it, uh, it means that uh, we're managing our business well. And let's not forget the employers and taxpayers, because it, it all starts with the employers and the taxpayers and their compliance. And of course, it shows off in uh, getting new uh, big, uh, big announcements about people coming to the state bringing in uh, thousands of new workers. And of course, we talk about the big announcements very often, but there's a lot of small businesses being formed and uh, they have a habit of becoming large businesses. Uh, just like Curtis Media. And uh, uh, you're exactly right. I don't know what the latest statistic is, Don. You're more familiar with that than I am. But uh, you know, I, I suspect it's over uh, 80% of all the job creation is coming from businesses that have less than 50 employees. That's uh, generally the information that I get. And of course, in a period of inflation and recession and all the things that we've been dealing with during the last year, all of this is basically good news for the citizens of North Carolina. Even when there was talk of recession, all the economists were saying, well, if there's a recession, it's not going to be much in North Carolina. And uh, because of the good management that uh, you and the others who uh, who are managing our funds have taken care of. Uh, Dale, uh, what's the number one thing? You've got about a minute hit and a half here. What's uh, on the top of your list to, to accomplish during the next uh, next month or so? Well, we just got through open enrollment in the next month. I uh, just want to uh, uh, do everything I can to push the power away from me as the state treasurer and give it to the people, the smart people, the treasurer office uh who who you know keep us in the check delivery business uh, secondly to continue to attack these issues uh we didn't talk about this but unc healthcare and and ecu are trying to divorce themselves from the state health plan and the state pension plan leaving over a billion and a half dollars worth of liabilities for all the other state agencies to pay uh we have an obligation to make sure that doesn't exist you can't have five people in a restaurant and one of them runs up a big tab and then walks out and leaves the field with everybody else. And so uh, that's just an example of some of the things that we're going to be facing and, and trying to get some uh, reasonableness and, and hopefully keep from being gouged uh, regarding this weight loss drug. Yeah. You mentioned the weight loss drug. If folks, you didn't hear that in the first segment, you need to go back and listen to it because it's frightening how much that could cost everyone. Well, our guest has been Dale Falwell, and as always, you've brought us up to date on what's happening in the Treasurer's Office, not only on what's going out, but what's coming in. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, uh, you can go online to Carolina Newsmakers and do so. And for those who are listening to the half-hour version of the program, you can hear the two segments that you missed. We will be back again next week. Uh, our producer, Jason Kong, tells me we'll have another interesting guest, and we'll look forward to seeing you then. So until next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. 
Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.